is all about him. And I'm just super happy. It made me cry instantly. But and I was thinking too during worship, um, how many of you guys know Chaney? Some, a few people know. He's the campus pastor at Pulse. He's one of our best friends. He's actually in Hungary and Serbia. Is that how you say it right? Right now on a mission trip with Karis. Um, but during worship, I was just thinking about him. He's so funny. He, his personality is not like doubtful or something, but whenever he hears something, normally if, you know, Shalice or somebody said something in some like beautifully crafted Christianese deep thing, you're like, oh, wow. He's like, what do you mean? Like, that sounded great, but if I don't understand this for myself, and, and it cracks me up because it's kind of nice. Like, a lot of days now, people are just like, oh, yeah, like, that was awesome. But then he, he always, not questions in a bad way, but was like, what, is, what does that mean? Like, you use, like, five Christianese terms that normal people wouldn't even know what you're saying. And um, he was teaching at Pulse the other week, and it was so funny. He was like, I love Bible math. I was like, what the heck is Bible math? And he was just talking about, like, when we all gather, like, it says wherever two or more, like, come together in my name, like, there I am. And he says, but the thing is, he says, like, I'm in you. So he's like, this Bible math, it always equals Jesus being there. Like, whether it's us all coming together, we're by ourselves in our car. And I was like, I like that. <laughs> he's so funny, and that's his simple interpretations. But I just feel like this morning, one, it's so fun to be up here. Like, I was, Shalise called me, like, two weeks ago, and and asked me to come, and y'all are like family. I know a lot of you don't really know me that well for some, but back in the day, I was like around a lot more before I kind of did some of my missions and got married, and now we kind of do our thing in the springs, but um, I love a lot of you guys, and I know some of you are like, that's the random girl I talk to on the phone when I'm booking a session. Some of you might think I'm mean. I don't know, Um, because I keep everything (laughs) organized, but (laughs) I I, I do love you. I don't mean, okay, cool, the train. But yeah, the facilitators love me. Um, but I, it's really fun to be up here. And even when, like, right when I walked in, like, I could just feel the tangible presence of God. And God's presence is everywhere. It's so good. And y'all know this because you go to this house. But, like, you don't have to call down or beg or scream or whatever. Like, he's here. You know it. It's more of an acknowledging of his presence. And that is so amazing because it's not something we ever have to, like, work for or strain or strive. Or even, like, we always have these words, like, press in, like, if you press in, the only thing you're doing is pressing into, like, getting it in your little head. <laughs> He's already there, so it's not, like, this big thing. But I, I literally just felt, like, so, like, cozy was the word. Like, I can so just feel the presence of God here, and I'm so thankful. It's, like, so refreshing. And Justin does this a lot, but he says, like, you really only need 30 seconds anytime. Obviously, it's good to have, like, a prayer closet and hang out with Jesus and, you know, pray without ceasing and all that. But just 30, like, I just want to take 30 seconds where we just sit for a second. Like, we've been worshiping this morning, and we just acknowledge how good he is that he's here. Like, Deb is already very fired up. (laughs) We all know. Um, But just to, just to, just to be aware of him. And so just for 30 seconds, just set your affection on him. God, thank you for just Holy Spirit right now. I pray that in every area, our spirit, soul, and body, we would just be so aware of who God is in this room right now. You know, it's so crazy. We can get so thrown off for a different thing. And literally, all we have to do is say 30 seconds. Everybody has 30 seconds. You do, just to be like, hey, whoa, get set back. 
because this is home. This is normal. Anything else, this is supposed to be the most familiar place. And anything else is just less than like our birthright. Like we get to just live in this awareness of who God is. And I'm super thankful for that. Man, and even I love Chris. I feel like you sang that song for me. I don't know if you'll sing it a lot, but that How We Love Your Name song. And I I get so wrecked over those lyrics. It's, and I'll start crying again. <laughs> Justin knows this is like one of my favorite statements, but like no other God is called Father. Like he is our dad. Christianity isn't about some like mean person in the sky that like tells you what to do. He's a dad. That means this whole thing is about a family. That is so incredible because no other religion call, they don't get to call him Papa. They don't get to call him dad. They don't, that, I mean, we're sons, we're kids, we're his kids. Like 18 to 99, you're a child of God. It's so awesome. And even those other ones, I hadn't heard the rest of it, but, but just no other guy, you know, we couldn't call father. Like no other God is your friend. No other God comes and makes his home inside. Are you kidding me, guys? We are so blessed. And there's some people that are Christians, but they still don't even know that. So if you're sitting here today and you know that, good for you. Like, you are successful because you know that. That's amazing. It's all about him. Uh, it's just so good. So I'm really, like I said, excited to be with you guys. Um, I am glad Catherine Toon is here. I don't speak here a lot or anything, but when I have been here, she was gone or something. So it's comforting that you're on the front row. Um, and it is funny, like, a lot of different people know, like, oh, that little, like, random small girl is, like, with Heidi Baker in Africa, or, like, uh, at Pulse, or, like, now she's, like, the random person that does the admin on the phone, like, it's funny, like, how different people know me and stuff, but, um, if you don't know me, I'll hug you after the service, but it's nice to meet you. For all those who are new as well, I just want to say this is not like a discredit to me, but Shalise is one of my favorite wild women of God. So if you've never been here and heard her just minister, please come back. Not that I won't give you something awesome or Jesus won't bless you today, but she's great. And so I just encourage you like, hey, make sure to come back next week when she's preaching. And because um, that woman, me and Justin always just say like she, every time you talk to her, there's just something new, something different going on. Because she is just always talking to Jesus and growing, and she'll stretch you and freak you out in all the best ways. So she's a blessing, and she's so fun. So um, everything people have been saying this morning has been so good. Like with what Eric shared, and Catherine, and Deb, and she's cracking me up this today. Are you always like this? You're so funny. Um, <laughs> it's great. I know. You're you're got it. We can all we need to get with the program. Um No, it's great. It's we should be really excited. If we're not excited, there's something we don't get. Like and I there's areas where I and I love what Bill Johnson says. This has nothing to do with what I'm gonna talk about, but he, he says that thing, like any area of our life that we don't have hope or joy, we literally are believing a lie. Like our portion is to live with joy and hope all the time. And everyone's personality is different. You don't have to like jump around. Like I remember Andrew Walmack, you know, he was worshiping the front row and he obviously loves Jesus a lot. That man is awesome. But he was just standing there <laughs> singing and everyone was like running and they made up some, y'all, I'm not even kidding you. I don't, they were like doing like a Congo line. I don't know. I didn't participate. I was being grumpy or something. I was like, that's not too cool for that. 
But it, I say a lot to say, you don't have to all look the same in your expression of excitement, but we should be excited, whatever that looks like. Um, this morning, whenever Shalise called me or whatever, she was like, hey, I want you to come in. I was like, cool, that'd be really fun. We love coming up, you know, and hanging out. And she was like, you know, we've kind of been going over, like, righteousness and stuff. You can go with whatever. And I was like, oh, that's a bland topic. I'll do something cooler than that. Um which is wrong. Um, but then that whole just righteousness that stuck in my mind. So I'm totally going to talk about this morning. Um, so if you're thinking, oh, that's bland, that's too basic. I also thought that and then was corrected. Because um, once you get into it and start reminding yourself, it was very exciting. And so I pray that just everybody is just... I. You just can't get around, uh, us as a community, every time we come to church or wherever and meet together, we should leave feeling so empowered, world changers, like, so uplifted, you are a son, like, no matter what's going on, it's awesome, and you should leave feeling so filled with hope, so filled with life, and so this morning, I just expect that for myself, my own personal life, for you guys, like, yay, we are awesome, we rock, let's go change the world, let's be full of him, and give it out, and just leave here feeling full today, so... I just pray right now in Jesus' name that in any place that we have just settled for anything less and just complete overflowing, over-the-top union with God, that we would just, you just dust it off, God, and you would just unveil the truth. God, that we would just leave here remembering who we are and being excited about any area that we are not thrilled out of our minds. God, I pray you would just reveal truth in Jesus' name. And we just thank you for just the good news and that we're ambassadors of the freaking greatest news ever. And we say we're excited about it, God. And we say it's a privilege and an honor just to carry what we carry and to know you. And just to get to represent you. Are you kidding me? We get to represent God. Like, what in the world is going on? So we have a good job. Um, I have notes just to keep myself kind of on track. Um, it looks like a little booklet, so don't be afraid. That's why I have a timer. And one of them is a really long Bible verse. Also, don't be afraid. But... um. My sweet husband is just smiling at me. Um, I just want to start by saying, like, everybody, and y'all have heard a lot of this, so maybe today is just a reminder, but I think actually, like, after all this is said, we should wake up every day reminding ourselves of what righteousness is and our identity. Like, if we think we've, we've got it, like, that's just, there's, there's no way. It's the foundation of everything. And so I, I, I was even like, man, I need to, like, wake up in the morning and, like, read something or look in the mirror, like, the mirror and remind myself because everything else flows out of that place of identity. And so, basically, when you hear the word theology, I'm not a theologian, but all that means, and a lot of you guys know this, is just the study of God. Or um, some people put it like the perception someone has of God. And like everybody has a theology. People wouldn't say that, especially unchurched people, but they do have a perception, even if it's that God is awful and he's a mean, or he doesn't exist. I mean, that is a perception of God. So everyone has theology, and our theology literally literally determines and affects our entire life. Like, what we think about God affects everything. And so, um, this, like, this morning, I just want to, like, dive into, like, righteousness. And, um, like, I really felt like when I was just thinking about this and everything, like, righteousness, like, understanding our identity is the foundation of, like, our entire spiritual growth. Like you can say, oh, I want to grow in the prophetic, or I want to grow in healing. But if you don't understand, like, your position in Christ and just what he's done and given as a gift, like, even if you do that, you won't do it as a son. You'll, like, do it, like, trying to be something 
And the crazy thing is, a lot of the times we're trying to attain something or try to be something that we've literally been given as a gift, a free gift. And so um, we're just going to jump in. And um, I just wrote, like, if we don't get this, like, we are going to build everything wrong. Like, it is so the foundation. And so righteousness um, literally just means right standing with God. But that's really good news because that's right standing with God. Like righteousness means right standing with God. And I felt like the Lord was saying to me, like, righteousness defines the relationship. Like, you can have a relationship with your dad, um, but it can be good or bad. It's still a relationship, but it doesn't, like, not all relationships are healthy. So when people even say, like, you can have a relationship with God, for some people, they could be like, well, I have a relationship with my dad, and it's awful. Like, so, but righteousness like defines the relationship. It means you have right standing with him. You don't just have a relationship. like It's the right kind of relationship, like right standing, like full acceptance. Um, righteousness is actually, like literally, you can find it in the Bible 520 times is what my studies have showed me. So if I'm wrong, you can let me know. But that's a lot. So it must be important. And the thing that's awesome about it is, like, it literally is a gift, like a complete gift. Like, we can't do anything to take away or add to it. And I know that sounds so basic, but how many times do we, like, even subconsciously slip in to, like, we all know that, or we all could preach that, but then, like, in our mind or different things, we slip into, like, this performance thing or whatever, but it really, like, it is Jesus plus nothing equals everything, period, period. There's a quote, um, Andrew Womack, he's a great Bible teacher, and I saw this, but it just says, there is a relationship between our actions and our right standing with God, but right relationship with God produces actions, not the other way around. That is to say, we are not made righteous by what we do. There's a verse, uh, Romans 5.17, you can turn there, but it's really short, so I'll just read it. But it says, for if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? That verse is so epic. Reign in life. That's awesome. That means like whether we get it or not, whether our circumstances look at it or not, we literally reign in life because of the gift of righteousness, righteousness that Jesus gave. And the thing is, and I'm going to try to I'm not get on a soapbox, um, but we are so big on, like, actions and different things, but it really has nothing to do. Like, it's, we, or we always want to say, like, oh, we'll, you know, fix this or we'll focus on that. But a lot of the things we focus are, like, symptoms or actions, but the root is the thing. And so, like, if our, let me see how I said this exactly. Yeah, like I just wrote, actions are the fruit that the heart produces. Like with anything, the root is where the real change must happen, not just the actions or the symptoms. Like, for example, I remember when I was thinking about this week, I randomly started remembering a couple years ago, I was at like a hair salon, and me and this lady, you know, we're talking about whatever you talk to your hairstylist about if you don't know her really well, like just different things. And then at the very, very end where I was literally like getting up to leave, she had another client coming in. She started just really quick opening up about how she was trying to become a member of this church. And she literally, guys, had this um, list of things that she had to like attain and do to become a member. And her, and it, 
it was just the worst timing because I was like, man, because I, I, you know, she had another client coming. I needed to leave. And I was like, why didn't she say this, you know, like 15 minutes ago? Not so I could correct her, but because my heart was breaking for the fact that she was like, I want to join this church. And it was all about her daughter. She was just like, I just want my daughter to be in a place that loves God. And just, you know, we've had like a weird life and just, I just want her to experience something good and different things. And she was saying, but I can't go and I can't become a member until I do this. And she goes, I've done all these things. Like I've done this one and this one. It was all these like, you know, behavioral, you know, whatever. And she was like, and I just, smoking is the last one. And I just can't quit it. And I, and she, it was all this condemnation. Like until I do this, my daughter can't go. And I was like, that's not the gospel. Like the gospel is literally the opposite of that. And there, and I could just see right in front of me. I was like, man, the gospel is such good news. And this is not it at all. And it's bringing so much death and fear. And I mean, the poor lady was just beside herself. Like, I can't freaking quit smoking. My daughter's life is going to be, a, I mean, it was heartbreaking. And I hate that I had to leave. I'm sorry for everyone's like, y'all didn't, you know, you didn't tell her. I prayed for her, but I, I had to go. And so, but I just walked away thinking like, man, there are so many people, even in the church that literally have that frame of mind and it's killing them. And it's not the heart of God at all. Like the gospel is so empowering and so liberating. And so we've just like got, even for ourselves, got to fully get this so we can be the right advertisement for the gospel. Like it says we're ambassadors of the good news, but if we don't understand the good news or don't understand our righteousness, then, you know, we project that. Like if you think God is a dad that is like has all these things, you know, for you to do before he is loving or accepting and and maybe we don't always do that in like an extreme sense, but even in little ways, we're like, oh, he was, you know, we feel that sometimes and it's not accurate or reality. It's all in our, our understanding that's not right. And it's great that truth can just come in and replace that. Praise God. It's that's why we have inner healing and Nate and thank God for that whole team because there's some really, no offense to anything, but weird inner healing stuff out there that literally is just does that in a session where you try to just work to attain something. And I love that I have a place where I can send people, send people at our church, people we meet and say, hey, you know, no, you are a new creation in Christ. But if you're not manifesting it, you're just believing a lie somewhere. You just haven't been maybe preached the gospel ever in your entire life. Why don't we just go in, ask God, you know, to reveal truth where there's a lie. And that's how you experience freedom. It's not like something you're working, whatever. It's just God bringing truth where you're not believing it. And that's the crazy thing. It's not works and straining and striving that's going to produce this freedom and manifest that reality. It's literally just believing the right thing. Like... And God is really good at speaking truth to us. And he's really good at encouraging through prophetic and reminding us why we're a body. And it's amazing to me that just knowing the truth is what manifests that freedom. Like it's so, I mean, it's not, I don't want to like minimize anybody's stuff they're going through, but that's not overly complicated. You know what I mean? I thank God. And you know what? He says we have ears to hear him. And I, I saw somebody on Facebook, a friend of mine, post, she posted, it, it spoke to me, but she said, I don't trust in God's ability to speak, or my, sorry, she said, I don't trust in my ability to hear God's voice, I trust his ability to speak to me in a way that I can hear him. I was like, that is so good, because we can even, we're so weird, we can even get all stressed out and worked up, like, it says that I can hear God, but I can't hear God, and like, our ability to like, force our ears to hear him, like, so she was just saying, no, like, I trust in his ability to speak to me in a way that I understand. I was 
like, man, oh, this whole thing, we need to take a load off sometimes. Like, we, I don't know, I'm kind of like a perfectionist and had to get over that. And it's just good for us to chill out sometimes. But, um, and the thing is, I, I wrote this too, like our obsession with actions and not really y'all, because y'all got a lot of this going on. But in, in overall, like our obsession with actions and the symptoms is literally like jipping the body of Christ and those that don't know God from the beautiful, empowering gift he has given. Like, because sometimes we get so focused on people's behavior and we forget just to point them to, like, we are not supposed to point people to a behavior modification thing or point them to how they can, five steps to be, like, self-help. We are supposed to point them to Jesus and what he did. And I think sometimes, I'm like, do we not just trust Holy Spirit to be Holy Spirit? Like, do we have to, like, tell people all these things to do? Like, why can't we just preach the gospel speak to them prophetically of who they are, remind them of who they are, speak about their identity, and that's going to bring so much more, like, life to them than if we had given them this list. Like, list is like law. It brings death. Like, you're you're not going to walk in the fullness. It's all about Jesus. It's all about identity. And what he gave us as a gift exceeds anything that we could do, like, in our own effort. Like, so many people work and strive for so many things, and what he gave in a gift literally far outweighs any of that. And it's a present. Like, you don't work for a gift. You just receive it. And our right standing with God, our identity and our righteous was a gift. That is so amazing because every other religion, it is not so. So I, we just need to be happy. <laughs> and I wrote to, like, trying to, trying to attain righteousness through our own works is literally like exhausting and pointless pretty much and it it affects how you see yourself how you see others and how you allow or how and most said most of all how you see god in galatians 5 4 it says for if you are trying to make yourselves right with god by keeping the law you have been cut off from christ you have fallen away from god's grace that's crazy because some people are like oh you know trying to be like humble. The best definition of humility I ever heard was just being exactly who God said you to, to you to be. And that's like awesome. So you almost sound like cocky or arrogant, but that's actually humility is just being who God said you to, for you to be. Like that's humble. It's actually arrogant to do anything of our own efforts because that's saying our efforts are better than what Jesus did on the cross. That's scary. Like in some twisted way, we, we try to sound like humble, but that is like, you know, do y'all get what I'm saying? Like that is arrogant. That's saying my works or my efforts are better than his sacrifice. That's like, yikes. Like we do not need to do that or go there because that's not good. And it says like, if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. And in, in Colossians 2, 6, it says, as ye therefore have received Christ Jesus, the, the Lord, so walk in him. If you received it as a gift, that means our whole relationship, our whole growing in spiritual, anything, anything, this king, anything, us growing, whatever, all of it, like we are supposed to walk it out how we received it. You didn't work. Whenever you get saved or have this encounter with God, you are so aware of your need and your lack to do anything to get it. And then it's like we forget and try to like do our own thing. And we need to keep things so simple. And the only way we're going to walk in that fullness is if we just don't forget that and keep it simple the whole time. Like it says, as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. 
If you are saved through faith in God's gift of righteousness alone, then you continue your relationship in the exact same way. So when we don't understand this truth, we go our, through our whole lives with either a full-blown awareness of guilt and condemnation or at the very least a subconscious one, and neither of those are our birthright. Y'all know that we are not supposed to live a second with guilt, fear, condemnation. How? That is why we are, that is why Jesus was so dang happy. It says he was the, anointed with the joy of oil above all his fellows. That sounds like super King Jamesy. It means he was the, literally the happiest, funniest guy ever. If Jesus was in this room, he would light it up. He was happy. God is in a great mood. His people are supposed to be in a great mood. We are not supposed to be bogged down at all with guilt, condemnation. And a lot of it, I literally think, stems from we have got to understand righteousness. Because if you know that it is literally not about your actions or what you fail to do, as, as Eric was saying, he, he doesn't see you when you make a mistake or saying sorry to your wife. It's good to say sorry to your wife. But he's literally saying, I see you through the blood of Jesus and you are perfect. And of course, we need to work on walking it out. But it literally isn't about trying harder. It's like, oh man, like that isn't who I am. I am royalty. I am a king. I have made a completely new creation. And the more we get that, the more we like on accident live that out effortlessly. Like that is amazing. We just get to study the gift we got. And then by doing that and understanding it, we, we live that out. And it's not something we're like stressing over. It just blows my mind because everything in this life is, is all about what you can do, what you can attain. You know what I mean? And the gospel just like turns all of that on its, its head. Like it's offensive. I think this could be wrong, but I, I think I've heard that like Gandhi rejected Christianity literally because he was like, I enjoy my like self effort. It was like, I can't accept a gift that's too simple. And it was like offensive. And I, that's what I've heard. I could be wrong on that. But it, it, it's like offensive. But to me, it like just reveals, and I'll get into that in a second, but just the heart of God. Like our God gave it as a gift. I don't know. He's, he's so nice. <laughs> and I wrote this. If we understood our righteousness, it would be impossible to live a second of our lives under any ounce of condemnation. Who wants to just live so filled with joy, so filled with acceptance? That literally is our reality. So the only thing we got to do is just be like, Jesus, what did you do? What am I not understanding? Because this is my reality. So help me understand. Just help me understand. What did you do? And, and any, any study or any of that thing that doesn't produce like crazy joy, I mean, that's what it should produce. Or it's not accurate or it's not in the gospel. The gospel is supposed to make us so happy because it's so ridiculous. Like the Bible literally says it's foolishness, but he is so smart. And I mean, before the world was created, it says that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Like he had an answer to a problem before it was even a problem because he's kind. And it had nothing to do with punishing us or making us work hard. It was, man, I'm going to get them. I'm going to give them this because I love them. Okay, don't lose me now, but I'm going to read a verse. Is that okay with everybody? Okay, it's kind of, it's, it's not really a verse, it's more like a chapter. <laughs> We're going to be okay. Hebrews is amazing. Is Hebrews in the Passion Translation? Oh man, I should have, I failed. I should have read that. Um, we, do we have it on your? We don't own it yet. Okay, we have Romans, I think. The Passion Translation is really good if y'all have it. 
Okay, Hebrews 9 and 10. Okay, whenever I was in school at Karis, I mean, Andrew teaches on these things as like a foundational thing. I remember being sewn away by Hebrews because when you first read it, you're like, why is it talking about a bunch of bulls and goats and like all this stuff, like what's going on? But then it's all, if you really know what's going on, you're like, this is the greatest thing ever. Hebrews is awesome. So I'm just going to read some of this. And it, it just, yeah. All of this, and it, you'll come together, but it's just about how we are not supposed to live with a consciousness of sin. This is very contrary to what is normally preached nowadays, but it literally says it in the Bible. So I'm not saying anything crazy. But so Hebrews 9. Now, even the first covenant had regulations of divine worship and earthly sanctuary, for there was a tabernacle prepared, the outer one, in which were the lampstand, the table, the sacred bread. It's called the holy place. Behind the second veil, there was a tabernacle, which is called the Holy of Holies, having a golden altar of incense, and the Ark of the Covenant was covered on all sides with gold, and golden altar of incense, the Ark, and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all, oh, sorry, in which, I read the line twice, in which was the golden jar holding the manna, and Aaron's rod, which budded, and the tables of the covenant, and above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. But of these things we cannot speak now in detail. Now when these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and of the sins of the people committed that the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit is, sign is signifying... This, that the way into the holy place has not yet been disclosed while the outer tabernacle is still standing, which is a symbol of the present time. Accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make, look, according, both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make the worshiper perfect and conscious. In con conscience? Conscience. Um, since they relate only to food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. But when Christ appeared, I love that. I'm like going to circle it under it. But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the gate, the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through, the, but through his own blood. He entered into the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood and goats, listen to this, for if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that since the death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who were called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a covenant is, there must of necessity be the death of the one who made it. For a covenant is valid only when men are dead, for it is never enforced while the one who made it lives. Therefore, even the first covenant was not inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats and water 
with water and scarlet, wool and hyssop, sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God commanded you. And in the same way, he sprinkled the tabernacle and all the vessels of ministry with the blood. And according to the law, one may most say, All things are cleansed with the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Therefore, it was necessary for the copies of the things in heaven to be cleansed with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but he literally, I'm adding that, he entered heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor was it that he would offer offer himself often because back in the old covenant in the old testament that's what they did they all, every single year would have to go in and offer up something for sacrifice for their sins but as the high priest enters the holy place yeah year by year with the blood that is not his own otherwise he would have needed to suffer often like jesus would have needed to suffer often from the foundation of the world but now, once at the consummation of the ages, he is manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment, so Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await. For the law, since it is only a shadow of the good things to come and not very form of things, can never by the same sacrifice which they offer continually year by year make those perfect who draw near. Otherwise, they would have not ceased to offer because worshipers, having once been cleansed, would have no longer have had consciousness of sin. But those sacrifices were a reminder of sins year after year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And I'll skip down a little bit. By this, we all have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sins, all of the, of, of the sins of all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering, he is perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Like this, I know it's long, but like read over Hebrews. Like it literally says like year after year, time after time, they always had to go back. And they said, because if that had been a thing that did it, they wouldn't have had a consciousness of sin anymore. But they did because that wasn't it. That wasn't enough. But when Jesus did it, it was enough. So what does that mean? We are not supposed to have a consciousness of sin anymore. That is amazing. And it's, I know that's a, like a lot in there, but get passion or something more, you know, kind of not so whatever. They have a lot of awesome translations. But um, that is amazing because a lot of the time, like, that is not what's preached. We, we, we have this huge thing of we are supposed to be free from guilt, shame, and condemnation, and that's legal, our legal right, like Jesus did it. It says, by one offering, he is perfected for all time, those who are sanctified. Done. Like, if we make mistakes and all that stuff, like, awesome. But I literally believe that anyone who makes mistakes and does stuff that's stupid and sin, it just just doesn't understand their identity. Because when you get your identity, that's what you'll live. Like, that's what who you'll be. And that's just amazing. I, I heard, I think it was John Crowder. Because um, like I was saying earlier, like, if you try to do things in your own effort, it's actually pride. 
And that's scary. Like, pride is like the big scary word, right? And um, I heard John Crowder say one time that joy is the fruit of humility. Isn't that cool? Like, just think about that for a second. Joy is the fruit of humility. That means when we're humble, like, it produces so much joy. Because, like, humbleness is just being, it's like childlike trust. Like, for example, some things in my life where any time I had fear, normally I had pride going on where I, I felt like it was all up to me. There was this huge weight on me doing it right, me being perfect at it, whatever. And that's prideful. I was only focusing on myself. And it produced so much fear, so much weight. And he, like he's saying, joy is the fruit of humility. When we're humble and we're just carefree trusting our dad, what a load off. We can actually smile and be happy. And I think Shalise says it all the time, like the body of Christ needs a facelift. Like we are not, he is in a good mood. And we've got to get this condemnation stuff off because it makes us look ugly. Like it's not attractive. And no one that doesn't know Jesus is going to be like, oh, I want that. No, they're like, they look cranky. Like, oh, like, no, you know what I mean? We are supposed to be such a clear advertisement of his happiness. And until we get rid of guilt and shame and condemnation and all this stuff we put on ourselves, which we, we literally cannot get rid of that until we understand that we've been made right as a gift as a gift. And then we are going to look like real happy, relaxed people. doesn't mean we can't work out stuff and we're working it out, but the foundation of it is it's a gift that I don't have to strive for. And that's going to guide me so much faster. Y'all, real fast, y'all, like when I gave my life to Jesus, I won't go into my testimony and stuff, but I changed a lot real fast in this like encounter I had where it was the love of God that changed my life. And him telling me I was beautiful when condemnation would say, you're this, this, and this. He said the opposite. And it totally arrested my heart and changed me in a moment. And, um, but here's the thing that I want to say. Whenever, so I have this, you know, encounter. And then, like I was saying that verse, as you receive him, so walk in him. So I was like, okay, I received this gift, you know. Not, I didn't really say that because I didn't have all the language. But when I was thinking about moving forward, in my carnal, when my mind started going, how am I going to calculate it, work this out? How am I going to change? How am I going to grow? Literally, I'm not kidding. In five minutes, I went from, yeah, this is a gift. He's going to do everything to, I don't know if I can do that. Or I don't know if I can make this change. Or how do I get myself out of this pattern I've done? Do I even want to be a person that doesn't want to party anymore? Like, I don't even know if I want to be a person that's different. Like, it was just like, blah, like real fast. And, um, and then I, and this is the amazing thing. This is why you don't have to let people just love them, remind them of who they are. Don't try to control their growth, like by telling them. Holy Spirit is a big boy and he knows how to talk to people. Because in that moment, I was like, that is very overwhelming. I didn't know anything, but I knew like, ugh, like that. I was real happy about this gift and now I'm like stressing out about how I'm going to change in like five minutes. And I knew enough to be like, this doesn't feel like God or like this new creation thing. And I was like, forget all of that. I don't know. I'm just going to focus on Jesus and whatever happens, happens. But that is it. Our focus should just go back to Jesus. And then I changed so fast and so drastically because I wasn't trying to work out my, you know, this like ABCD to like be a better, nicer behavioral modification program. Like I just focused on Jesus and his life just went, you know what I mean? I changed from the inside out. It's not about outside that change. It's the heart. And people can pretend and act. It's, I won't go on my soapbox. I, and this place is a safe place, but, um, thank you, baby. Um, <laughs> oh, it was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> He's on your side. Um, 
but I, I, I hate the whole thing of like church trying to be this thing where we all have to like look and act perfect. It sickens me because we all can pretend and act, but then no one's safe enough to talk about what's going on. And, and we can't, you can't remind someone of their identity when you don't even know they're having a bad day. You know what I mean? Like we've got to get real and like Jesus isn't into behavior modification. Like that's not what it's about. And when you have environments where it's only about everyone acting right, no hearts can change. And if no hearts change, I don't care if they look like Mother Teresa their entire life. They don't get it if it's not in their heart. It's not real. And you can only fake that for so long. You'll get freaking bored. Like it's just cold and dead and God's not lifeless. And wrapping up, which I really am doing, um... Whenever I was thinking about this whole thing, I was like, what are my favorite parts of all this? And have any of y'all, y'all heard, like, Jonathan Walton teach on covenants? Anybody? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm not trying to, like, represent Pulse or something, but I, I, he has really good books. But he, we did, like, a merged church event, and um, he, for two hours, just broke down covenants. And so different covenants in the Bible and the new covenant, I would very much recommend, like, on our podcast, because I don't know where else to re- reference you, but if you go to like the Pulse Media podcast um, and scroll down, just look for his name. There's just two, like one hour and another hour of teaching where he just breaks down the covenants and he talks about what the new covenant is, what the gospel really is. He goes to all these things. It is so, it'll like be like, oh, I can read my Bible better now because I didn't have this framework to read it correctly. So anyway, that's really good. Um, but he just talks about like, the new covenant. And I, I just reference him because I can't explain it theologically when I'm not a theologian. He's got a doctorate and everything, um, and I don't have time. But he just goes into the whole thing of literally the good news is that we have a new covenant. And the new covenant is that back there's all, and he goes through all these different covenants that they had, like a vassal covenant, all these different things in the Old Testament. And that's how God related to man because he was operating inside the covenant he had with them. But now in the New Testament, we have a new covenant with God. So what is that? Like, we need to know what that is. And he was just saying, basically, and I know people have heard different, like, kind of theology on this, so just go listen to his stuff to get more depth. But he says, you know, God had these covenants with man. We kept screwing it up, messing it up, because it was in their people's own efforts trying to be good and all this stuff, and kept messing it up, messing it up. And God just just like, forget all this. I'm sending myself in the form of my son. He's going to die, you know, on the cross as you, for you, in your place. And then I'm going to make a covenant, like, Jonathan says, God didn't make a covenant, like we say, my covenant with God. We don't have a covenant with God. Don't freak out or throw anything at me. He's just saying, God made a covenant with Jesus, and by faith in Jesus, we enter into the new covenant. But this is why it's awesome. It's because if God made a covenant with Jesus, and Jesus was perfect, That means I can't mess up the covenant because I enter into it through faith in Jesus. He is a freaking genius. I'm not kidding. Like, he was like, y'all are all messing this up. So I'm going to enter into a covenant with myself that you get to enter into by faith and receive all the benefits for. But it's not based on what you do or don't do or what you do good or do bad. That is amazing. Amazing. That just like blew my mind because at first I was like, I don't have a covenant with God. Like, that's blasphemy. Like, Jonathan, who have we invited here? You know, but then when he broke it down, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Because I can't mess it up. My big brother paid the perfect price, was the perfect sacrifice. And I enter into it by faith. It's a gift. And I can't mess it up. And that's the good news. 
Now, I, don't, I was trying to ask them, how do you tell it to someone on the street when you're a band? Like, there's a covenant that we, you know, it's like we need different language. But that is the good news. The bottom line, grace, the kingdom, all this stuff is all a part of that. But it's all a part of the new covenant. And the new covenant is that we get to enter into relationship with God, right? Standing with God as a gift through Jesus. That's awesome. And God's not going to get mad at all this stuff because he's not, he doesn't see us. He sees us through the blood of Jesus. All he sees is how amazing we are. He, he is so pleased with us. That's liberating and life-giving. And the other thing, when I, when I was just trying to hear God's heart, like, okay, God, like, what's your heart in this? And he was just saying, like, look, I didn't do this because I was so mad or annoyed with everyone's bad behavior. I did this, and hopefully I, can, I, don't, I need to, like, talk to him more about this, but he was saying, I did this because I didn't want people ever again to misjudge my heart, my character, like, this just shows the heart of God and how loving he is to give us a gift of righteousness, to set it up where we can't mess it up. It wasn't like he was so annoyed with people messing up and being bad that he had to, like, do this thing. It was like, I never want them to doubt my affection for them again. And now it's sealed and locked forever. I've done it all. I paid it all. And I want them to never doubt again my affection for them. I was like, wow, God, like his heart shines through everything. And sometimes we get it so messed up. But I, even in righteousness, I just see the heart of God and how loving he is and how he never wanted anyone to ever doubt again that he was ever not pleased. He's so pleased and so proud and doesn't want anyone to go a second of their life thinking anything less than that because it's not how he feels. It's not how he feels. I also love my favorite place in the world to go are like the baddest, worst people you know, I've traveled all over the world in some dangerous places, and my sweet parents were awesome, and I was always safe, but it was real crazy. And but when I, this is this, it cha- righteousness changes the way we see God. We need to understand it because it shows how nice He is, how good He is, how thoughtful He is. It does. Like, can you see that and what He did? And then it shows how, you about yourself and how you relate to yourself. But it also changes the way you see other people because then when you see a person that is so screwed up, so far from God, so full of hate, so whatever. You're like, oh man, they are the closest to just total. They know they're aware of their need. They know they're messed up. They're easier to reach than somebody that's being religious that would try to put their own self-efforts into it. So you shouldn't be intimidated or upset. The worst people on the planet are like, like God is just waiting to just land on them. And I get, my favorite thing in the world is seeing someone that is just a wreck encounter the love of God because in a second they are righteous nothing can do that no program nothing can transform people like the gospel can and it gives you so much hope when you're looking at people because you're like I mean, I've seen it have you ever seen it in someone's face like I remember I remember being in, we, we were in Mexico together before we were married. But I remember, like, Justin was ministering to this guy. And I remember, like, in a second when he got it, his eye, his face changed. Like, the gospel is so, that is not self-help. That is not an effort to be a better person. It is a supernatural gift that can change anyone. And we get to introduce people to him and to that reality. So every hard case, those are the, almost the easy, it's like flip, like they're not hard cases and nothing else can transform a person like the gospel can. 
and we get to tell people about it. And we've got to get the message right and we've got to understand it for ourselves. Or we will subconsciously put, like, if you don't know it and you think God is demanding stuff from you and waiting for you to be better, you'll relate to people like that and you'll represent him like that. It's not an accurate representation of him. You've got to understand it for yourself so you can rightly explain it to people. And if you're living in condemnation thing, thing, these things, even if you don't say it, like, that's what you're, like, that's what you're, like, you, what is that? You reproduce who you are. <laughs> like, that's what you're going to be inadvertently communicating to them. And it's not the gospel. It's not going to help them. They need Jesus only and the gift. And can I just say, too, I wrote this. Shalise used to do all these boot camps and stuff. I remember they helped me greatly. But and she might do some. They might still do some up here. But she just says, man, if I just teach people about righteousness and their union with God, that's the only thing I need to teach them. Because if you, you don't have to try to heal the sick. You don't have to try to do this. If you just realize who you are in your union with God, it, it's just your natural thing to just speak life over someone, to release healing to someone. It's a part of you. Jesus is in you. So I love her thing on just passion of union with God because if we get our union, we're not trying to be holy. Literally, there are people in groups that try, like, guys, this week we're taking a vow of a vow of whatever and we're going to be holy and try to do all this. And they spend their whole lives thinking it's admiration for God. But literally, you're already holy. I'm like, man, you already are holy because of Jesus. It's not about you. It's he's in you. Yes. <laughs> no, but for real though, if we would get our identity, that everything that normally we are trying to attain or strive to do is already ours. It, it would, it's such a shame to your, go your whole life trying to accomplish something, trying to be something that you had as a gift the whole time. So this morning, I just want to say, let's wake up to what we already have. It is, it is, it is agonizing and boring to try to strive to be and do this, but it is fun and joyful to just discover what we already have. So and my understanding of the Christian walk literally is just an unveiling, an awareness away, like your awareness, an awareness away from manifesting the fullness of who you already, like I, Andrew Walmart, you already got it, however he says it, like you do, but that's awesome. Instead of our thing trying to be this ladder where we're trying to get somewhere, Christianity, you start in Christianity right away where everyone else tries to get their entire, they live their entire life trying to get to. And we start there instantly as a supernatural gift. And our whole journey is just understanding who he made us to be. Like our prayer should be, God, I am flipping amazing. Help me understand what you did in me. It was a big deal. It was worth the price of Jesus' life. If You know what I mean? Like it wasn't a little thing. It's a big deal. He paid a lot. You're valuable. And if, you know, we're not excited about it, we all need to be excited like Deb. If we're not excited about it, we just don't get it. But it's exciting. What he's done is exciting. And I'll close with this quote. Um, this is from John Crowder. He just said, beyond simple, the gospel is an absolute unveiling of the truth of the truth of the Godhead in you. I'll repeat that. Beyond simple, the gospel is an absolute unveiling of the truth of the Godhead in you. The Godhead in you. I just said this, you're an advertisement of God's, God's mark of approval, so smile. 
Amen? All right, I'll be quiet now. I love you guys. <laughs> wow, give it up for Catherine.